Uh, let's pray and we will get started. Uh, Father, we come to you this morning to hear your word, to, to learn from you, so we pray that your words would come from my mouth and that they wouldn't go, uh, that, that there wouldn't be any extra words, that it would be your word that we cling to, that we have faith in uh, because of your goodness to us, Father. Amen. <clears throat> so, we might have to put a, things are just getting too wild out there, we might have to put a hold on this marriage series because since we started, there's been one marriage and three pregnancies, so if we don't, if it keeps going, we're just going to have to put it to a halt. Yeah, well, the kids aren't going to pay for the new building. You do the math. But anyways, uh, those are all good things to hear, but I don't know if it has to do with the marriage series or not. <laughs> you, know, you never know. Yeah. So, but as we continue, uh, we're into, <coughs> excuse me, child rearing, a child rearing phase of the marriage series. And I think the last uh, teaching we did was just on the importance of child rearing and kind, kind of raising everyone's vision that you're going to be working really hard for like 20 to 30 years, so you better get used to it uh, and say goodbye to a lot of your hobbies and uh, say hello to changing diapers. And so, and, and that only lasts a few years, hopefully, but, um, but now we're getting kind of into more of the, we're going to get into the meat of it. I'm hoping that the series will wrap up by, it was designed to wrap up um, by Advent, but I actually didn't take into account that we do a church history presentation every month, and that's one less every month. So we'll get wrapped up around the, if we go, yeah, around Easter, uh, if we... <laughs> We definitely won't do it during Advent. Um, well, we might do it during Advent, but that's the plan. <clears throat> and so as we get into today, what we're going to be talking about is, is how in parenting we tend to, uh, even if we were, were good uh, Christians who believe in the sovereignty of God, our constant uh, kind of demise in Christianity is we fall into a works-based religion, that we believe that if we put in the work, we will save them. And that's just not true. We cannot save our children. And so that's the end of my sermon. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> no, so we don't stop there, right? Even though we can't, we can't ultimately save them, what we're looking at is we tend to, in, in child-rearing, in, in any aspect of our life, we tend to... Uh, through complacency or, or just through uh, life or through sin nature, we fall into that we have faith in our works opposed to faith in God. And so we believe that if we raise them right, if we do the right things, if we read the right books, if we do family devotions, if we spank them appropriately or whatever, if we discipline them and, and, and teach them, that they will, we have faith in our works, that they will end up exactly how we want them. And none of us are old enough to have uh, old enough kids, except for one uh, or two of us in the room. And so it doesn't exactly, you don't have to ask around, but you could, but it doesn't exactly end up that way, right? <laughs> so we can't enter parenting like it's a works-based thing, like it's totally, uh, like my works are going to save them. My works are going to make them a good Christian boy or a good Christian girl. And, 
if we think uh, that if we do the right things, our children will grow up right as, as if we deserve it, we're going to act that way. And it's going to be inherently, uh, we're inherently going to have faith in our works and not faith in God. And so Psalm 127, we have it plastered, at least the first part uh, as you enter our building, says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. And that's kind of like one part of it, and then it totally transitions into a new thing. It's totally unrelated. <laughs> Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. <laughs> and it seems a little incongruent if you just read it. You're just like, okay, uh, Children are heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. We usually actually read that psalm and, or quote it in two separate sections. We, we quote the first section about those who, who uh, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We usually quote that section in, in context of us wanting to use it to say that the Lord has to be in our work to do it. And then we quote the second section about the, the children being a heritage and you know, it's like you want a quiver full of arrows, and we quote those separately in separate context. That's what I usually hear, and that's what I've fallen into as well. And so, but those aren't, they're not, it's, it's one psalm. It's one, uh, one message there. <clears throat> and so there is a way that you could raise your children in vain. You could have family devotions. You could have times of prayer with them. You could, take, you could send them to the Christian school. You could homeschool them. You can do all the right things and still be laboring in vain. You really could. And so you could do all the seemingly right things and end up with uh, what we say is, oh, they're just a, they must just be a bad apple. I did all the right things. It's not my fault, obviously. It's anyone's fault but mine. It's the school I sent them to. It's the other parent that I married. It's, the, uh, it's everyone else's fault, right? And, and so what it comes down to is that, I don't say it's that you lack faith because you probably just have faith in your own works, in your ability to save them, opposed to uh, faith in God. And so that's the first thing we have to be aware of as we look into raising children as, as we're... Uh, child-rearing is that we don't fall into a works-based parenting. But there's going to be a lot of works. <laughs> and you got to trust them. <laughs> uh, or at least you got to trust the Lord in them. And so, as parents, we obviously have like great influence over our children, and, but we can't start with the foundation that it's, it's all about us. It's all about what we do and how we raise them is going to save them, is going to make them turn out right. A lot, there's a lot of validity, you know, validity to that. There's a lot of truth to it, that how you raise your kids is inherently, I, I said it last week, I'm not teaching a whole separate message now uh, that contradicts it, but yeah, how you raise your children has a lot of influence, has a lot of truth onto how they're going to turn out, but if, you, uh, if the Lord isn't in it, you labor in vain. And so you have to start with the foundation that you can't save them. You can't have your faith based in your parenting or in your works. And so ultimately, <clears throat> you can't change their heart. You can't even really change their mind. You can't change, uh, you can 
you can um, put different uh, uh, boundaries and roadblocks in, so you change their actions, but you can't really change someone else's heart or mind. You just don't have the power over them like that. You wish you did. That'd be a lot easier if you just said, stop thinking that, think something else, and they're like, okay, I'll just do that. That sounds good. Uh, or you tell your children, just be disciplined individuals. Stop being obstinate. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. I'll just do that forever, right? Uh, you don't have really any inherent power to change their heart or to change their mind. Uh, I, this is my thinking behind and every aspect of life is that you can't control people Laws are for the lawless, so you put up laws, and with your children, they're very lawless, uh, inherently, and, and so you can <clears throat> certainly dictate actions, and, and you can, there are certain things the Lord puts into play, and ways you could uh, assist in the Lord to change their heart, and to change their mind, but you don't have any ultimate power over that. And so you could have family devotions, you could have your kids memorize Bible verses, uh, you could take them to church, you know, instruct them in the fear of the Lord, and all those are good things that the Lord wants you to do, but you still can't change their heart. If the Lord doesn't change their heart, you can't either, right? If the Lord isn't behind it, then your laboring will be in vain. And uh, as a side note, that's not like if you try once or twice with your children, then if they're not getting it, it doesn't seem like the Lord's in it, you just throw them out to the world and let someone else take care of them. That's not what I'm advocating for here. Uh, that's not how parenting works. But you have to start, <coughs> excuse me, with that you can't change their heart. And so everything everybody does, they do willingly, even your kids when they're like, you know, no, I don't want to clean my room, or no, I don't want to go to my room, and they're like stomping up to their room, like, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, and they're just scared about a spanking or discipline, they're still doing it willingly, right? Uh, we've gotten into watching, is anybody familiar with Super Nanny? The, the old, the old uh, reality TV show where there's these, these really bad children uh, and there's parents that need, need some help, not doing too great, and they need to set up structures and disciplines. And, and the Super Nanny... No. And, and, uh, and so Super Nanny, this lady comes in and, and teaches the parents, how to instill discipline. and It's like the same thing like with every different family that we've watched so far. And it's really fun to watch because you get to say, look at all these other uh, terrible people. Uh, <laughs> look at how bad they're doing uh, and stuff like that. <clears throat> but, you know, we, we watch it and there's, there's always, they don't, she doesn't instill spanking. They do like a, a naughty corner or a timeout and she's British. So it's extra entertaining with the accent. Um, and so it's every time you put these kids in this, she puts them in the naughty corner and teaches the parents how to do it. And they're like, no, I'm not going to do it. And they get up and they do it about, you know, for sometimes 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour or two to wherever the kids will is just, they're willingly sitting there. Right. And it, it changes their will to where they, they want to sit there. They understand that the, the kids are usually like three to six, three to seven years old from what we've seen. And, and, but the kids end up willingly sitting there. They're not sitting there. Uh, they might not want to, but they decide to stay there. 
right? It's until they make that choice that they're going to obey their parents and they're gonna, their will is going to conform to their parents' discipline. Is But they could have, the parents still didn't change their mind. The parents just kept it up until the kid decided, I'm going to do this willingly. And so, uh, if we turn to John 3, we're all familiar with the story of Nicodemus being born uh, asking about when Jesus says that everyone needs to be born again. <clears throat> uh, starting in verse 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see or even perceive the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so when we're teaching our children and raising them, we're teaching them in the flesh. Obviously, we should be directed by the word of God who is written by the spirit, and we should be, have the spirit of God within us to give us wisdom and insight. But when we're doing discipline, we're doing, we're doing it in the flesh. Our children need to be born again by the spirit, and we can't do that. We have no power over that. That is God alone who has that power. So Jesus continues and says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There are signs you should be able to see when when the Spirit of God is living in your children. And that isn't always just because they uh, begrudgingly prayed that prayer with you so that you would get off their back about Jesus. It's where you see real signs of the fruit of the Spirit. And so Jesus says that whoever's born of the Spirit is Spirit. It's up to the Spirit of God to who dictates who is born again. It's not you. <clears throat> but God just doesn't operate willy-nilly. He's not just like, well, yeah, it might work, it might not work, so we'll We'll let you know. We'll, we'll give you some commands and some instructions on how to raise your children and how to disciple, but it might not stick because we'll just, we're just rolling the dice and we need two-thirds, and so uh, we'll get this to these two and leave those two over there. Well, that's not how God operates. He doesn't just say, uh, here's some covenant children, raise them, and I'll, I'll decide later, see how they act, and we'll see if we're going to... We're going to choose them or not. And so First uh, Thessalonians 2.13, uh, when, when Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians, uh, in his, and this is still in his opening part of the letter, <clears throat> he says, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe or at work in you believers. So God operates by a means of grace. God operates by, here's some people, here's some human people in the flesh who are preaching the word. You became Christians. You accepted the word of God because you believed what it really is, not just words of men, but words of God. You saw it for what it really is. And so that's how God operates here on the earth. He gives uh, us as stewards, he gives means of grace to accomplish, to accomplish his works. 
And so we tend to think that that's for everybody else. That's not for like, that's not how you raise kids though. That's not, that's not how you raise kids. Uh, but it is. Um, these are principles, <coughs> excuse me, that are in play in scripture that we see in evangelism and discipleship. And <coughs> it works for parenting too. It goes both, it goes, it goes every direction. So 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 20, uh, again, Paul is speaking to a group of believers. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so as parents, it's not like that's for Paul as an apostle and for people who go out and evangelize and people who want other people to become good Christians, but not the parents. It doesn't work that way. And so that's, it's, it gives the biblical foundation that as parents, we are just stewards of God. We are, these are ultimately, they are our children because we birth them or we raise them, but ultimately they belong to God. They don't belong to us. We don't get to have faith in our works. We don't get to do it our way. We're just here to, to steward them on behalf of God. And that's what I think the heart of having covenantal children is. <clears throat> and so this puts us in a position uh, of stewardship. And so that means that when God gives us works to do or he gives us instruction in child rearing, our faith isn't in the instruction, but in the one who gives it. It's not in our faith isn't uh, in how well we follow that instruction or how well we do that with our kids. It's our faith is, is still in God. It's not that if I do them, if I, if I really do raise them in the fear and instruction of the Lord, then they'll become Christians. I'll get the outcome I want, which is... Uh, Usually when you think about that, it's, well, I don't want my kids to, like, steal, or I don't want them to be bad little naughty children or something. Um, and it's usually less than what the biblical invocation is. But, the, but on the flip side, that my faith is in God who gave me the works to do. And so there are covenant children who are not regenerate. We see that in, in Scripture, right? There's... Um, there's Eli and, and Hophni, or Hophni and Phinehas, who are Eli's children, and they are covenantal children. They were raised in Israel. They were raised according to the covenant. They were circumcised, yet they were not regenerate, and they were doing wicked things, which uh, it doesn't give clear indication, but Eli's parenting probably had something to do with that. Right? Those are the sons of Korah. This Korah's rebellion. These were, uh, at one point, children of the covenant. They were covenantally bound. They, uh, just checking my Bible timeline real quick, they had the covenant of circumcision, um, and yet they were not regenerate, and they rebelled. So you're like, what's the deal? Sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, well, um, that's not how, again, that's not how it works. Uh, it's not that sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't, and, and you just try your best, it's based, on, it's based on faith. Everything is based on faith. And so that's kind of the reason behind why we do infant baptism is not because we think that baptism saves people in a regenerate sense. 
It does save them in a certain sense, but not in a regenerate sense. But that, that baptism makes them a part of the covenant, that you're raising covenant children. And so that's a sign and symbol of the covenant. And there are covenant children who are not regenerate who reject the covenant, and they get the curses of the covenant. And those who are in the covenant and follow the covenant get the blessings of the covenant. And so generally, uh, this is, again, just generally, when we talk about uh, covenantal children, whether we baptize them or not, usually and generally when we side with infant baptism, you have a mindset towards discipling them, saying you are Christians, you're in the covenant, this is how, this is what God, you know, this is how God has directed us, and this is how, how we live, opposed to, generally speaking, when uh, Christian parents don't raise their, or don't baptize their children and encourage a proclamation of faith before baptism, we're generally saying that, uh, that we need to evangelize our children. And I side with, I think, either way that you need to disciple your children in the covenant. And so that's what God's calling us us to do. <clears throat> and so, um, so what we have to conclude is with covenant children, with, with children that God is, is giving you, if he's put you in the covenant, then he's putting them in the covenant. He's bringing certain promises and blessings to them. And so uh, uh, St. Augustine, does anybody know his mother's name? Not Helen, based on my Google search. Monica. Well, double check. I could be wrong. Well, maybe somebody can fact check me on that one real quick. Uh, But either way, so... Uh, if you read like St. Augustine's Confessions, he talks about how uh, his mother his mother married a pagan, uh, she married a pagan man, but, and so St. Augustine rejected uh, the Christian faith for a long time. In his Confessions, he tells you about all the bad things he did. So if you like gossip, go ahead and read St. Augustine's Confessions. Uh, <laughs> there was one, I was reading a little bit of it, and he was, he's doing it in a contemplative sense on like, how he was and his nature was and where his heart was before Christ, because he's obviously writing that post-conversion. And, <clears throat> and he writes, I think he was 17 at the time that him and a group of friends uh, stole something from a market. And he didn't really care. He wasn't hungry. It was, it was some kind of food item. And he wasn't hungry at the time. He just wanted to steal because he liked the thrill of stealing. <laughs> and, uh, and that wasn't the worst of his confessions. But... Um, but he recounts how his mother's prayers for him for like, it was about 20 years, <coughs> he believes played a, a huge role in his conversion. And one of those prayers, I remember uh, when I read it uh, a while ago, he was recounting that even his mom would pray with him, you know, uh, she'd be praying that his son was converted and he, she would pray in a way that was like, and please don't let these prayers be a condemnation for him in the judgment. Like right next to him. <laughs> as he's unregenerate, as he's uh, off in his worldly ways. And those played a huge role in his life. And so uh, you could, 
You could pray that as your kids are getting disciplined. And, and Lord, please don't let these prayers be a condemnation for them and the judgment. <laughs> yeah. Is it Monica? Okay. Thank you. Constantine's. Different. Okay. <clears throat> and so, even we see in, in Timothy that as what God was doing in Timothy, he first started in his grandmother, Lois. Right? It doesn't... Uh, if we think covenantally, we have to think generationally. And so what, what God was doing in Timothy, he started two generations prior with the conversion of his grandmother. Um, I often think of my life of, I didn't know my, I know more about my grandfather and his faith after he passed and in getting one of his Bibles and seeing what he underlined and in the notes that he took and, and hearing stories uh, from my grandmother and other people and my mom. But really, from what I know generationally, what God is doing in me started at least to my grandfather. And so what was passed down, what the, the faith that my grandfather had was passed down to my mother so that I would get it, so that my children would get it. And so we tend to think um, just in an individualistic sense that what God's doing in me, he's doing in me, but but parents, what God's doing in you, he's doing for your children. He's doing so that your children would have a covenant blessing that I, I believe surpasses, because I, I have to believe in post-millennialism, uh, is that, that what God's doing in you and the promises and blessing he gives to you, he wants to do more for your children. He wants your children to surpass you in faith, in ways of the Lord, in, in kingdom building, and other ways. And so I often think of, uh, I don't do this anymore, but when I was doing Bible studies with, uh, with, um, on video calls with people in India, it's, I don't know, I think the farthest back generally, generationally of the Christians that I spoke with was like they were the fourth generation Christian. So their great-grandmother or great-grandfather were uh, converted from, from Hinduism and it got down to them. And it's, and so what God was doing, what God's doing in them started, you know, 100, 150 years ago. And so we have to kind of think covenantally and generationally as stewards, what God's doing in you, he wants you to steward so that the blessing gets to your children. So since we are stewards of God's varied grace, we therefore must be faithful. As parents, we're we, the, the faith we have isn't in our works and in our ability to parent, but we, our faith is in God, so we must be faithful to what he's, what he's taught. And so, um, oftentimes we think of like, you know, Ephesians 1, that if God predestined them down on this end of the timeline, that they're guaranteed on this end of the timeline, and we don't care about the middle, we'll uh, if he did it here, he's going to do it here. And we, don't, we throw up our hands and say, we don't have to do anything, or no matter what we do, it'll get there. But that's not really uh, biblical thinking. That's not really how it works. It's that if God predestined in Ephesians 1, before the foundations of the world, to, to receive an inheritance and a blessing in the Lord and eternal life, if he did that, and they're guaranteed it down here, and they're promised it back here, he aligns everything along the way. <clears throat> and that means that, that God uses means or a delivery system of grace 
to get to those covenantal, covenantal blessings. So it's not, I mean, you could look at it statistically, you could look at it in a common sense way. Uh, either way you want to look at it is if, as parents, if you're not faithful to what the Lord has given you as, and to raise your children, then generally it's going to stop right there. That's where the covenant blessing stops if you're unfaithful. And so God uses means of grace, and as parents, you are the primary means of grace into your children's life. <clears throat> and so, um, so that means that uh, if you're doing family devotions, you can't do family devotions so that your children sit quietly and learn how to respect you so that they're not as annoying. That's, not, that's faith in your works to get an outcome opposed to being a steward of, of God's grace. And, and teaching them um, according to the scriptures. It's not the outcome isn't so they'll be less annoying and more disciplined. Uh, the outcome is, is that they would love the Lord and they would obey him. <clears throat> and so what God's using in your children's life is you as a means of grace, and you're the primary source of it. With uh, praying for them, family devotions, instructing them, discipline, uh, and everything else that life entails. <clears throat> and so that's the difference between um, having faith in your works to get an outcome versus having faith in God and being a steward in, in his means of grace. And so, <clears throat> so that necessarily means that uh, you should be praying for the salvation of your children. You should be praying that they have uh, a change of heart. Because you can't do it. You can't continue to do the, the works God calls you to do and not ask him to help you along the way. <clears throat> I remember just in our family, we had noticed that, that generally all of us were getting um, a less grateful heart and becoming ungrateful and feeling privileged like, we deserve that somebody should be making us dinner. Uh, and I'll, I wasn't the one making dinner, so you guys do the math in, in our family that somebody should be making me dinner, and I should get it. And that's not, uh, and that translated to down generationally, and we started to notice that we were starting to be less than grateful. And so we would start in our, in our dinners by doing the work of like saying, okay, let's stop, we're going to, Always pray. We're always praying and thanking God. We're going to continue that, but we're going to now thank whoever made dinner or whoever played in even one part. Uh, if you set the table or if you, uh, you help stir once, whoever did anything gets a thank you. And we would pray at dinner, Lord, give us grateful hearts. Please forgive us, like as a family, for being ungrateful, and please give us grateful hearts because we don't have them. And we could say thank you as much as we want, or as much as we can. We could say thank you uh, from morning until night, but that doesn't mean we're going to have grateful hearts. That doesn't mean our hearts are going to change, that we're all of a sudden going to be really appreciative of the work other people do in our family to, to serve so that we could eat dinner. Uh, we need a change of heart. And so you have to continue to do the, the works that God has called you in family devotions and disciplining and instruction, but you have to gird it in prayer because if, 
God's not in it, you're laboring in vain. And so we all know that James and the epistle in the book of James, that he talks about, you know, uh, faith and works in relation to um, you show me your, your uh, uh, faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. It says we, and whatever, whoever has faith without works is, is dead. And so we don't believe that we have as parents dead works. You could have dead works if your faith is in your works, but if your faith is in God, you have living works. <clears throat> and Hebrews, the author of Hebrews reminds us in the first verse of chapter 6, saying, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So that's why you could see uh, parents striving and striving and striving and their kids never changing is I think primarily because their faith is in their actions. It's in their works. If I do this, my kids will act right. But those are dead works, right? Uh, our faith is in God that if we believe the promises of Scripture that God wants to pass on the covenant blessing to our children, we will instruct them, we will discipline them, we will view ourselves as stewards, we will pray for them, and those works that were once dead might appear to be the same from an outward perspective, but they were once dead and now they are alive. They are now uh, living works, right? Ephesians talks about that uh, by grace we are saved through faith, not that anyone may boast. So at the end of, this, at the end of our life, however our kids turn out, we can't boast in it. It's not our, our doing. Second Corinthians talks about whoever boasts, boasts in the Lord. <clears throat> and so all thanksgiving should be pointed back towards God. But that our, our works as parents go from dead works to living works. That our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in God. And that shows, in I think, in our prayer life. And there's, there's something that just goes on in our spirits that I don't know how to communicate to where you know that that faith, that trust, that the belief is that God is going to do it, and I'm just going to keep on trucking along the path that he's, uh, that he's given us, mm-hmm. right? Some kids are uh, different. Well, all kids are different, I think. Uh, in my estimation, I haven't met every kid in the world, but I believe all kids are different. And, you know, some kids just have a natural, a more natural obstinance than others. And those are normally boys. <laughs> Not always, but uh, you got all, you got all girls, right? Okay. Yeah. For, amen. <laughs> and some, I don't know what it is. It's just in their spirits that some kids are more obstinate than others. And, it doesn't mean there, there is a difference and you have to treat every kid individually, but it doesn't mean you divert from God's plan and do it a, different, a completely different way than what God says. It's not like, well, okay, now it's not working with this kid, so let's, so let's stop trying to instruct them in the Lord and let's stop trying to get them to honor God and obey us. And let's try to do something else. That's not, uh, that's not how it works. Again, and so... Some kids are, all kids are, (coughs) 
excuse me, all kids are different, so some kids are going to maybe take a little bit longer to, to get it, or God's working on them a little bit differently, but you're called to be faithful to what, to what God has called you to as a parent, and as I kind of talked about in the beginning of the Childbearing series is if, if God gave you like this much instruction for marriage and you have to like fill it out this much, God gives you like this much instruction for parenting and you got to fill it out like this much. There's, uh, like when it says just raise them in the fear and instruction of the Lord, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I want to do that. What is that? What, what is that? Uh, you have to actually think about that and press that into your, into your family and press that into individual kids as well. But what God's calling you to do ultimately is follow his instruction to do his works to give your children covenant blessings, to make them a part of the covenant. And again, uh, just to kind of end on, since um, we believe as a church, and and I really do believe in post-millennialism that God's covenant blessings are increasing and generationally that you're going to see Christianity expand, and that means individually that that applies not just to the nations, that applies to my family, is that by the time, you know, I'm, my hope and, and my prayer is that by the time my kids are like 18 to 25, they have surpassed me in the things of the Lord. That probably means that they're doing different things than I am, and it's probably annoying me, or that that's not how I would do it. <laughs> uh, but it also means by the, behind, by the time they're like 13 to 16, they are starting to surpass me in some things. And I think that's the expectation and the blessings that our, our children should get, is that if we raise them right, if it's, if it's really the Lord at work, that we should see fruit of the Spirit, we should see fruit in their life, we should start to see them surpassing us in, as they mature from adolescence into, into adulthood, and that those blessings that they get once they've reached adulthood, should start to be like, well, I know, they, they should be able to say, like, well, I know a little bit more than you on that subject, uh, or in a humble way, also not surpassing you. Uh, but, but we really should see our children get that covenantal blessing if we, if we raise them right, if we discipline them right, if our faith is in God. And that's, I think that's what, what he wants, and we kind of see that throughout Scripture as well. So, Let us close in prayer before we worship. Uh, Father, we come to you and we do pray for all the children in Grace Christian Fellowship, all the children who who are born and who will be born, that you pass the covenant blessings to them, that you lead the mothers and the fathers in your ways as a means of grace towards their children. We pray this, Lord, through Jesus Christ and that you would send your spirit to give us Uh, vibrant worship this morning. Amen.